Welcome to the weekly NFL Reaction Show podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to this past week's NFL action. We will share our opinions on the NFL, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack football, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well. We are here to unpack sports, faith, and life. And last week on the show, you heard from former NFL linebacker Corey Miller, who joined me here on the recap show. And we have a big announcement to share with you today. Before we do that, let me tell you what's on today's show. It was a busy sports weekend, both for unpacking it and for the, the sports world with the Masters going on in November, college football, some big news in college football that, that Corey will be sharing about, and then also the NFL Sunday. The first set of games were eh, not as great, but I thought the second half of games or the second half of the day was tremendous and, and some, some interesting results some more injuries that we've got to discuss and what does that mean for certain teams. And then toward the end of the show, we will do unpack this about the Arizona Cardinals and their Hail Mary touchdown and, and how timing was key on that play, but also timing was key uh, for us in life. And timing is always key in life. And, and speaking of timing, God's timing is perfect. And, a few, uh, gosh, maybe two months ago, uh, Corey posted something on Facebook saying, hey, looking to do some ministry stuff, looking to do interviews. And so I saw it on Facebook. I reached out to him and said, hey, we got to get you back on unpacking it as a guest. And so he, he came on. We had a great time. We talked after the show, after we, we recorded. And one thing led to another. And God put it on his heart, put it on my heart. The, the unpacking it board agreed that Corey Miller needs to join the Unpacking It staff, and today is his official start date. Last week was a little, little trial run, but today it's official. He is on board. He's a member of the team, and we are fired up to have him. He is now our Director of Ministry Outreach. He will be a co-host on the Monday show, and then we'll, we'll continue to add some other shows throughout the week that, that he'll be a part of as well. And so we'll continue to grow uh, his role and, and grow what we're doing here at Unpacking It. But Corey, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. How are you feeling, man? I'm thrilled. I'm excited and uh, elated would be the best word uh, probably to use. And just really feeling blessed by God when uh, you talked about timing and, and, and how God works in his timing and how God works in his perfect will. And, uh, you know, we can try to do things and make plans but it's God that always ordered the steps. And uh, I'm just so gracious today uh, to the Lord, first and foremost, to you and, and the board at Unpacking It for bringing me on and, and seeing the vision that God has going forward for this ministry and seeing that we can use something that we love that, as little kids, sports, to, to share and talk about, and, but yet use that as a vehicle and or a platform uh, to, to see men and women come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. And, and man, I, I just look forward uh, to these types of, of, of podcasts and conversations and, and just, uh, you know, man, I'm pumped up. 
I am pumped up and I am ready to rock and roll and see what God is going to do, brother, with this ministry. Amen. Amen. I, I'm fired up and, and we're wrapping up year number seven uh, here at Unpacking It as a ministry. And, and now to add Corey, the, the future is bright. The, the excitement is building and, and we are just so fired up for 2021 and beyond and, and finishing the year strong and, and setting up some, some great things for, for next year. And, and so the podcast will continue to be uh, a key part of, of what we do here at Unpacking It. We're, we're just coming off the Charlotte Turkey Bowl, yep. which we had on Saturday. And, and, of course, we've got listeners all over the country, but, but they know that, that we're based here in Charlotte and, and we do a lot of events here in Charlotte. And, and so the Turkey Bowl, uh, we just finished up our sixth one and turned out to be our biggest one yet. It was a gorgeous day in Charlotte. Uh, former Atlanta Falcon fullback Justin Griffith joined us for the halftime show. We talked faith and football with him, and, and he was awesome. And, and then, yeah, with 28 teams, it, 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 it turned out that we had four different playoffs, kind of four different levels of skill, and, and so four winners went home with, uh, with the turkey. So, uh, so it was a, a, a great day, and Corey was able to make it up to, uh, to check it out a little bit. And so uh, it was great, great having you there. But, uh, but we'll continue to, to do some, some awesome events throughout the year, in Charlotte and, and beyond as, as the Lord leads and guides and, and provides. And, um, and so this year, actually, uh, the Super Saturday Man Breakfast, Corey was a part of. Yep. And, and so our, our audience has, has been familiar with Corey uh, since him being on the, the podcast, but also doing that event. And, and so we're just we're thrilled to now have him even more connected and, and officially uh, on staff with us. So that's the big announcement for today, and it, it is a huge announcement, and, and we praise God yes. uh, for, for working out all, all the details and, and co coordinating it. I, I'd say, you know, it was a, absolutely an answer to prayer and, and just knowing that, that we were looking to, to take the next steps as a ministry, but it wasn't something that was forced or I didn't go out and find Corey. God just worked out the details, and, and again, the yep. timing was right. And, and so just cool to see how this has all played out uh, with, with God's hand just, just on it all. And, and so he, he reveals his glory and goodness uh, once again, as he does. He always does. He's always faithful, man. And, uh, you know, just uh, you've been praying about, you know, doing things different, advancing your ministry. And I've been praying about, Lord, uh, you know, where you want me to go and, and who with. And, and so uh, it's just amazing. Just, you know, you sit back and just – or even look back and just yeah. see God's hand, you know, on your life and uh, how he's ordering your steps. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by him. And, and, uh, and this is one of those unique circumstances that I look back and I said, man, you know, through trial, tribulation, uh, through faith tested by fire, and, and God is just preparing you to, to do something for the kingdom. And so uh, I'm just looking forward, man. I'm blessed and give thanks uh, to you and the board of unpacking it and then everybody that's going to be able to hear and listen and be a part of the events, everything that we're going to do to, to really just uh, bring glory to God because that's what it's all about. Amen. We're, we're here to, to challenge, encourage, and inspire sports fans to follow Jesus and become more like him. And, and so Corey will, uh, will help us continue to do that in, in new ways and better ways and exciting ways. And so 
we'll uh, we'll continue to, to to again follow God's lead for for what's next. For today, we've got a lot to discuss, yes. and and again back to God's timing. The the crazy kind of story coming out of the weekend is South Carolina firing their head coach, and and of course. Corey Miller is one of the legends from South Carolina. That's where he played his college football, but before going on to the NFL and having a great career with the, the Giants. And so, uh, so Co- Coach Muschamp is, is done, uh, relieved of his duties after a, a, a tough loss against Ole Miss. And so before we jump into the Masters and the NFL, since we've got Corey and, and a lot of people have been wondering, you know, what do you make of this, this move? And even on Saturday at the Charlotte Turkey Bowl, I asked Corey, Hey, do you, is, you know, what, what's going to happen with Muschamp? Yep. And you kind of blew it off as far as, oh, it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> you, didn't think it, you didn't think it would, and you still don't think that it should have, but it, it did. And, and so you've been, you know, sharing a lot of your opinions on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and all of your, your South Carolina fans are, are, are curious. But, but what, what can you share with our listeners today and, and specifically the, the personal side, the other side that maybe gets overlooked so often when we hear a coach getting fired? You know, Bryce, it's, uh, you know, when you asked me on, on uh, Saturday, of course, I've heard the scuttlebutt, and, you know, with the, the, the media world of Twitter today, you know, all kinds of stuff on there. Uh, but, you know, I had the ability to, to speak to certain people, and I uh, know a lot of the big-time supporters or donors of the program, and I'm, I've known that they, they were upset. Of course, we know that the fan base uh, – terribly upset the last three games. I mean, just uh, what 40 plus 40 plus and 50 plus of the last three games from a defense standpoint, Will Muschamp's a defensive guy. And, um, you know, fans wanted more, um, but I didn't think they would when I, when I answered your question, because it's a pandemic year. It's a year where, you know, these guys didn't have a spring. They didn't have your typical summer the workouts, the, the, the academic part that goes along with football. And, and of course, you know, having to try to, uh, with COVID guys in and guys out, uh, the Gamecocks have a, a numerous amount of injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And listen, they had a great win against Auburn, who was at the time ranked number 15 in the country. They, uh, you know, they were in the game against Tennessee. They were in the game against uh, Florida, uh, who's an extremely top four, top five type of program. And, and, but the last three weeks, it just went south. But I, I still thought that there's no way, there's no way that they could uh, make this, this change now. And even in the middle of the season, I was like, how does that benefit anything? And, and so when, it, when the news came down, I, and the wife went to church. My church had uh, Stevens Curtis Chapman last night. I mean, I was on Facebook Live beforehand and talking to people and went into church two hours at the concert, and then my phone's blowing up. Uh, it happened. Um, and to be honest with you, I was disappointed. Mm. I, I, I was disappointed and at Gamecock fans and a lot of, and I know it's not everybody. And I know it's the French team. Okay. But the fact that how personal some of the comments were towards Will Muschamp and his family, that's, there's no place for that. I don't care mm. what, how upset you are. I don't care, you know, how disappointed you are. There's no place to attack people personally. Will Muschamp has done a lot of great and wonderful things in this program. Uh, you know, the, the, I mean, he's changed and left an imprint on it. That's really good. And for the next coach to come in, it's going to be a lot in a lot better position than when he inherited the program from Steve Spurrier. 
you know, great facilities. He's recruited his tail off. He hit the road running when he first got here. And, uh, you know, the kids love him. The kids care about him. They, I, I mean, he's a, he's a player's coach. I understand at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. It's, it's, you know, you get paid a lot of money. You know, he's getting paid $13.5, $14 million in a buyout uh, by them relieving him of his duties. But personally, I don't think it's a good move. One, I think when you have a coach four and a half years, you set your program back. Your coach got to start over again. He's bringing a new system. He's bringing in all this new agenda. You may not have the players on this particular roster that fit what you want to do. Uh, I mean, is the fans going to be excited about this new coach? I mean, everybody looks for the home run hire, right? And you don't know if you're going to get that guy. Who is that guy? Is it Urban Meyer? And of course, Hugh Freeze's name is out there. The job he's doing at Liberty. Of course, the once Ole Miss coach who did some great things and, of course, has some backlash by some issues he had, but rededicated his life back to the Lord and got things turned around. Of course, he is the hot name. And uh, Billy Napier and, and the Coastal Carolinas coach, uh, Chad down there doing a great job. So all these, you know, it's the next beautiful thing, right? It's just what happens in sports. It's the, it's the backup quarterback syndrome, you oh, know, yeah. the number yeah. two guy. We want him. But I, That's I, right. I, I think, B, we live in a world of a microwave society. I think that everybody wants things to happen right now. You know, they want change right now. They want to see results right now. And a program like South Carolina, yes, I played here. Blood, sweat, and tears. I, you know, I want them to be successful. But South Carolina is a hard job. It's a tough mm -hmm. job. You still are a middle-of-the-road program throughout the history of the program. Yes, I'm saying this, and I play there. They have been a sub-500 team in the history. Steve Spurrier came in and had those three 11-1 seasons, or, or four, and then a 9-1 season. They were, they were good. They were solid. And they couldn't keep that up. But mm -hmm. historically, it's just been an average football team. You're in the SEC East. Teams are getting better around you. I'm talking about Missouri, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. You got teams with a lot of history that are going to be able to co compete or, or compete better than you recruiting-wise. Then you got what's happening on the west side. It's not an easy job, and especially this year, we talk about COVID and all you got is SEC opponents each and every single week. So to me, I understand, Bryce, but I don't feel like they did the program right in this instance. I don't know who they're going to hire. I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you, he had a lot of good players in place to build. It takes, for South Carolina, it's, it takes more than four years. You know, you got to go through the hard part to see the blessing, so to speak. You got to go yeah. to the fire. You got to have this, this type of year or type of couple of seasons. And I point to Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And again, that's mm -hmm. my, my cleanest comparison to South Carolina. He's been there, I think, seven years since 2013. Tough years. Kentucky's a basketball school, but he's got players in there. And he's last year, 10 wins, I think. 10 or 11 wins. And this Great is a, a good year. program. So if you let coaches coach, you know you got the right guy, academics, they're graduating, they're good guys that don't get in trouble, the kids love him. Why can't you give the guy at least another year and say, okay, this is our expectations and, and let him roll. But uh, just real quick when I shut up, I saw Coach Muschamp today. It's just like God ordained us. I'm downtown oh. Columbia. Uh, I'm turning, and I see him and his wife. I loop around, and I and I see him cut the corner. I loop back around, almost stalking him. Right? And then, oh wow! And then I 
the light stopped and I was able to pull up next to him and hit the horn. He looked, saw me, let us win us down. And, and what I said to him was, man, I'm sorry. I'm praying for you and your family. Uh, I'm just really disappointed at the fan base and how they treat you guys. And I thank you for what you've done for a lot of these players and for the University of South Carolina and the infrastructure and everything that you've done for this program. And, um, you know, I, I just wish you nothing but the best. And I'm here for you as my number, you know, and, and uh, I'll reach back out to you. And he said, man, I thank you so much. His wife said, Corey, thank you so much. Because, you know, a kind word, a kind word, and sometimes just a godly smile turns away wrath. And, and um, I'm, I'm so thankful that God allowed me to have that moment with Coach Muschamp. Wow, how special is that? That's uh, yeah, man. yeah. You can't you can't make that up. That's no. that's quite the story. And and I, I think that yeah, the two big takeaways from from what you said and, and just thinking about this. One, you're exactly right. Why are you letting coaches go in the middle of a pandemic when this year is just so bizarre mm-hmm. in, in so many different ways? There's there's just nothing consistent, nothing normal you just can't make those rash decisions this year this is the year of grace for all i mean it's always grace but we we need extra grace this year double portion across the board and all in all walks of life in all areas we just we just need it and and i think i would be surprised if there are a lot of coaches fired this year in even in the nfl ah, there's a couple probably in the nfl but uh but in college specifically because of the the bizarreness of even students on campus and the different rules and different conferences and all the conferences started in different weeks right in the normal schedule they're not what what you had planned in the summer even is different Mm -hmm. with some of these games that have been popping up out of nowhere uh, opponents that you're playing and all that sort of thing so um that's one thing and then the other side just a reminder for us as fans that the the head coach of of a team has a family is dedicating his life to coaching players. He doesn't want to lose. He, he's, he's trying to build something. And, and to Corey's point, certain schools and programs, it takes longer to build. Yes. And sure, sometimes you can walk into Ohio State if you're Urban Meyer and you can have instant success and Ryan Day can take over for Urban Meyer and you just keep the success going. And some programs are built that way. But it took Dabo some time. Yeah. It took Dabo some time to, to build Clemson to, to what it's become. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I lean toward that, that as well. I don't know. I, I don't follow South Carolina enough to know if, if Muschamp was is the right guy or the, the wrong guy long-term, but, but just from the outside looking in, um, I appreciate your, your perspective on it and, and, and understand that, that patience and waiting for guys to develop programs is, is key. Well, he and, won, and you I, know, you know, Bryce won the nine games in the second year beat Michigan in a bowl game was a good win for the program. He's the first coach, listen to this, in the history, the first coach in the history of Gamecock football to, to go to bowl game his first three years. And, uh, and of course, you know, last year was tough, four and eight. A lot of folks, uh, you know, got, uh, I think, optimistic when he said, you know, hey, this is the best talent I've had uh, since we, uh, we've been here. And then they go four and eight. And that started with the loss in Charlotte against North Carolina. And then it was kind of like, man, things just started, even though they had that huge win. Remember last year, then over top four or five ranked Georgia. Um, so he's done, he's had some moments. And then after, the, and it's been like, I guess, two and 13, two and 11, something like that. It just, things haven't been going well. 
you know, and it's like it's trending the opposite way. But you look at injuries again, you mentioned COVID this year. It's just a tough year. I mean, so, you know, it, it stinks. You know, I don't care what somebody's buyout is. I don't care what somebody's making because I believe, believe that your, your value, whatever the job pays, that's what the job pays to be the head coach at South Carolina. It is what it is. That's, that's, that's your value production, so to speak. So I'm not mad about that. He, he worked harder than anybody. I, I know that's to be true. He worked harder than anybody that I've seen coach here at South Carolina. He cared more about his players more than anybody that I've seen here at the University of South Carolina. And I think that's echo when you listen to the comments from these players. As I listened to the press conference this morning, uh, every, I mean, they, his imprint is on this program. And I think, you know, he's planted a great seed for the next coach to come in and maybe build some success off of because his imprint and what he's done. And, and I think you look across college football and, and some of the programs that are turning coaches every couple of years, it, it just isn't working. I think at Tennessee, I, I think, you know, they're just, they're just teams around different conferences where they're always looking for the next guy, and, 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 but you restart, you restart over and over versus letting a guy, okay, build, 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 build. And then, yeah, sure. After a, you know, you give them a reasonable amount of time and you see, if you see no growth, then yeah, then you move on. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not sure if that that, if that time had, had really been there yet. So it's a big uh, issue or story in your <laughs> in your world as a yeah. as a former player and, and one of the legends and uh, kind of a, an interesting story coming out of the weekend, uh, especially after Saturday when we were talking about yeah, it'd be surprising to see coaches get fired in, during this season in particular. So um, it, it was definitely definitely a yeah tough day in Columbia. That, that's right. So, uh, Corey, Corey will remain uh, based in Columbia and, and will be in Charlotte uh, as needed here, here at Unpacking It. And so, thankfully, with, with technology, we can uh, do this show together in, in different uh, spots. And so, that's, that's pretty sweet uh, here on Zoom. Uh, we got a lot of other topics to, to get to today. Let, let me also thank our sponsor. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. So before we get to the NFL, because we'll, we'll spend plenty of time talking NFL, the Masters was this weekend, and I absolutely love the Masters. It's, it's four days of, of just great golf. But I must say, it being in November was hard for me to be <laughs> – Fully committed. And, and part of it, I had the commitment on Saturday to the Turkey Bowl. And then Sunday with the NFL going on, like I had, I had three TVs going. So I had the Red Zone, the Panthers, and the Masters. And then once Dustin started pulling away, it just wasn't as intriguing as, as some of the other stuff going on uh, in the NFL. But the, I thought the way that the, the course was handled and, you know, the leaderboard – it was Dustin, and then maybe a couple guys we're not as familiar with, but you still had Rory and Brooks and Webb and, and, and a lot of the guys we uh, you know, appreciate and, and know are great golfers were at least in the mix for much of the weekend. So, so that definitely made it intriguing, but I can't wait for it to be in April again. Um, you know, even though it's in a few months, it, it'll be just as exciting. And, and so I'm glad they at least had it. I'm glad for Dustin Johnson. Uh, he is, you know, he's number one golfer. And, and so to, to get the green jacket is huge for him. 
Um, Tiger, at least playing well at times, was nice. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the 10, not, not good to have a 10 on your, your scorecard. So that was not great for him. But uh, you take that away, it was still overall a, 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 not a bad round for him or bad weekend for him, bad tournament. Uh, it, was, it was pretty solid um, considering because he hasn't had a great year. So, uh, so anyway, th- those are my initial thoughts. I read an article about Dustin Johnson and his brother, and I've got two brothers. And so the idea of being a golfer with your brother as your caddy is very intriguing to me and, and cool. And the fact that, you know, they were so emotional. And at first, people didn't really buy into Austin as a caddy. And it was more of a buddy-buddy type of thing. But then Austin has really emerged as a caddy for Dustin and has been a valuable, you know, member of his team and, and being on his bag. Uh, so then being able to share that moment together uh, is pretty sweet too. So yeah. those are my takeaways. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the Masters, right? It's the uh, greatest golf tournament of the, of the year. And and we knew it was going to be kind of weird playing, being played in November and, and college game day is on, on the course, on the, I guess on the par three cool. side. You know, they got a chance to be there to try to kind of blend football and golf. And, uh, you know, but, you know, Dustin Johnson uh, – this is the tournament he, he's always dreamed of winning. I mean, you know, grew up just an hour down the road on I-20. Uh, went to Dutch Fork High School, the Silver Foxes, uh, where he, he played high school golf. I mean, his dad was a pro out at Mid-Carolina Golf Course. I mean, so he, I mean, right down the road, went to school down at uh, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. And uh, South Carolinian to ever win the tournament, his brother Austin, who I know, very well. I know his mother extremely well, who still resides here in Columbia. Uh, so his dad lives here. I mean, so what a, just a great story, right? And this, this, this crazy 2020 year uh, for Dustin Johnson to go down there and, and just light it up. They I mean, just waxed the field. It wasn't even close. There's no yeah, drama on, on Sunday, you know? So it's like, okay, he's got this thing wrapped up. He went into Sunday with a four shot lead. And it's like, okay, watch maybe a little bit in the beginning, but you saw that nobody's going to make a run and Tiger kind of had a first nice couple of days and was in that conversation, but then he's kind of started to creep out. So, you know, but it was great uh, watching Dustin Johnson when you know somebody and have a relationship with them and knowing that, you know, him and his brother, what this meant to him. I mean, Dustin is not an emotional person. I mean, he's pretty just kind of no. stoic, right? You know, just kind of, yeah. he just kind of stays calm. And even on the course, you got the stride, the best walk, in golf, yep. but to see the emotions, yeah, very confident. But to see the emotions from Austin crying and knowing that they finally got it done, this is what they wanted, uh, you know. Because last, I think, year or two ago, you know, he fell down the stairs, and here comes all the the, the stories, and and you know, everybody had to think of what happened, what drinking, blah blah blah. You know, you heard it all on social media, and he's been so close in other majors, right? And so, you know, when he's going to get that breakthrough? No, man, it's just like, I want to see the red, the colors, man. They pan the cameras, you know, to, the, yeah. to the, I mean, the flowers and the, just the greenery. And, you know, then you got 5 o'clock, 5.15, it's over because they got to make all these adjustments because of, of the time, you know. They couldn't get the whole weather. Yeah, and the weather. I mean, it's just a weird year. But, you know, overall, they got it done. I'm looking forward to, to coming back next year because I normally play in my own tournament Monday after the Masters. Uh, with Hootie the Blowfish out at Myrtle Beach at Barefoot Landing, and we get some of the guys who played in the Masters come down to, you know, play in these golf tournaments. And they're not having that. They're doing, like, their own little silent auction instead of the, the, the events that, you know, after the, 
of Masters. So everything's a little different, but again, it's 2020, the new normal. So the adjustments that you know we have to make. So that's where we are. You know what's so funny though, just as as sports fans, we really have been. I don't know what the word is trained or just used to the, the sports schedule. And I I know for me, it's hard for me to, to adapt. Like I love the NBA, but it was weird watching the NBA in August, September and, and trying to get into it. I was pulling for the Lakers, but it just, it just didn't seem the same as, uh, as it, as it normally is in June where it just, feels right and your body's used to it your mind's used to it so of course we've had to adapt and adjust and make the most of it and i'm so thankful as a sports fan that we've been able to you know get a lot of the sports back other than march madness we lost march madness and we never got it back but but for a lot of the, these other events and and sports leagues we, we were able to get it even though maybe it was different um you know i think college football is taking a hit I, I, it's not the same without the fans in a full with a full house and you look around the great stadiums across college football and without seeing it, it packed out with the, the normal tailgates and all that. I think that that hurts. And then, you know, with the masters, not seeing the, the, the patrons walking around and, and all that kind of thing. But, but again, I'm glad they had it, the masters, and it's still not the same. I can't wait for it to be in April. I love the sports schedule, how it normally is. I'm used to it. I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm able to, you know, focus in on different sports during the year and so when it's November, I'm, I'm all in on football. I sure. mean, it is football, football, football. Normally, maybe you get a little bit of the start of the NBA where you keep an eye on Tuesday or Wednesday just to see, you know, who's, who's, who's out there playing or whatever. But um, to get the Masters on a, on a Sunday in November, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, it, it was bizarre. It was hard for me to, <laughs> to fully wrap around. But, uh, but anyway, it was, uh, it was still, uh, still, still the tradition, still here in Jim Nance and, uh, you know, watching Tiger put the the, the jacket on Dustin Johnson, cool. all that is still still cool. Absolutely, and for him to bring it to, back to the state, I mean, what a great year for the state of South Carolina. I mean, you know, Agent Wilson gets the MVP of the WNBA. You got Jay Morant Rant from Sumter, a rookie of the year. I mean, I mean, South Carolina man has been just a lot of great things with, with sports. Uh, it's been so, pretty amazing. So- Dustin Johnson went to the Masters, so pretty awesome season. We'll have a nice little rivalry here on the show now that we've added you. I'm, I'm Mr. North Carolina. I'm Mr. Charlotte. And you're Mr. South Carolina. Yeah. So that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I like that. We'll add a little, uh, little intrigue there. Uh, all right. So yesterday in, in the NFL, uh, I would say, you know, some of the big storylines, the Steelers staying undefeated. I, I, thought, I thought going into that game, Big Ben – being kind of on that COVID list, not at practice all week, would have been an issue. He ended up playing maybe his best game of the year, and, and the Steelers looked really good. It was the Bengals, but, but still uh, an impressive win for them. The, the, the Saints losing Drew Brees, of course, is a, a huge storyline. And the other piece of that, beating the 49ers, a couple of weeks ago, once Kittle went down mm-hmm. and, and some of these injuries that they faced, I'm like, all right, their season's over. And it's evident their season is over. I mean, they could lose out. It's going to be ugly for, for the 49ers the rest of the way. Um, and then with the Panthers here for, for us, as we keep an eye on them, uh, really the first blowout of the season. And, and so that was somewhat surprising. But also with the Bucks coming in as angry as they were, uh, they finally got back to running the ball. They ran the ball really well. Ronald Jones had a monster game and, of course, the huge run. Uh, to, to knock off the Panthers. And then the play of the day was the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, which we'll, we'll talk about during Unpack This. But, uh, but for you, Corey, what, what were some of the, 
the, the big takeaways? What, what jumped out to you at week number 10? Well, hey, the Giants got, got the win over the Eagles. That was huge. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones is a G-man. They finally get an NFC East uh, win. But guess what? The Eagles still lead the division with three wins. Imagine that. So uh, what a crazy year this is. But, but the Giants got the win. I thought, you know, uh, with Drew Brees, the news uh, coming out about him uh, with those ribs and, and everything that he, he's going through a uh, collapsed lung and now famous Jameis. Think about it. Just a week ago, they were dancing in the locker room and uh, with the win over Tom Brady, you know. The w. And, and now, yeah, you know, Jameis was excited. Uh, Sean Payton was dancing. But now Jameis gets an opportunity uh, to step in. And I go back to last year. Drew Brees went down with a hand injury. It was Teddy Bridgewater. Now the Panthers uh, quarterback uh, stepped in and went 5-0 and oh, uh, uh, for the Saints last year as a backup quarterback. Now Jameis Winston. We're going to be watching to see if he can kind of, uh, you know, copy and paste that situation. And up the road, just I said the seven with the Panthers, uh, you know, injuries, McCaffrey not playing, and then uh, Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt with a knee, a big scare up there, being that he came off that horrific knee injury. He seemed to be uh -huh. doing so well, right, uh, and playing well. Uh, but it turns out today news came down the pipe that, no, no, uh, no uh, ACL or MCL, nothing crazy like that. Maybe week to week, day to day. So it looks like he's going to be away. So that's, you know, we're going to thank God about that. But the Panthers, I mean, again, for me, uh, I didn't expect nothing great from them. And Matt Rule's first year and, uh, you know, with all the changes that they had, a defense filled with rookies. And, you know, you, you can't expect too much, but I do appreciate the effort and the, the energy that, uh, they play with, and they've been in a lot of games, pretty much most games. So yesterday, uh, the second half just turned out to be just ugly uh, for them. Uh, and I think the other thing is, uh, you know, when you look at the NFL, you look at teams, you know, like Buffalo, uh, you know, and uh, yesterday Cam Newton uh, getting the New England Patriots by another storyline, right? They, they kind of bouncing back some ugly losses. Cam Newton didn't play well the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's shown up, and they got the big win over Baltimore the Ravens in a, a torrential rain. So uh, those kind of things I looked at from the NFL yesterday. I, I don't know what to make of the Patriots. I mean, they continue to be one of the, <laughs> most, the more intriguing stories of the year because they started off so well and, right. oh, we don't even need Tom Brady. And, oh, why did the Panthers get rid of Cam Newton? And, and so that's the storyline. And then you know, the last couple of weeks when they were losing, it was, oh, Cam's done. And what is, Belichick doesn't know what he's doing and all the criticism and, and now we're back on the bandwagon to think, uh-oh, they could win this division. And they still got Miami winning. Miami, I mean, Tua, they keep winning. Yeah, 3-0. So, How about nice, that? Another nice win for them. But then Buffalo falls. So that division very much wide open. But rain games you always kind of throw out to me. I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to, to take too much away from that win. But the Patriots, they, they can run the ball. Like I like Harris a lot. He's a really good runner. Yes. Uh, I thought he was, I thought he was banged up coming into the game, but he he rushed for over a hundred yards. And then of course Cam and Burkhead, he's always uh, he's kind of old reliable there for them. Mm -hmm. um, so that was an impressive game. But I, there, you know, definitely some concerns for the Ravens. We we keep waiting for them to really turn the corner and turn it on and dominate kind of the way that we saw last year and and for Jackson to to really blow people away like he did last year and. It just isn't happening. Now, they've still won some games, but they're, they're not convincing that they're a playoff team. Mm -hmm. and, and I think there, there were high expectations this year that 
not only would they get back into the playoffs, but they need to win some games in the playoffs. And, and so that's a, yeah, that, that's a, that's an interesting one in, in Baltimore. I, I don't know. What, what do you make of kind of the direction that, that they're heading? The Ravens, you know, it's, you know, Mark Ingram being out, you know, that, that running game play action passes has been the, the, the MO for this football team. It seems like they struggle with the run game that really opens things up for Lamar Jackson and, uh, you know, to the play at the, at the tight end position, a threat in the middle of the field, which we've seen the last couple of years, been so good for the Ravens. And, uh, that seemed to be missing, losing Hayden Hurst to the Falcons. So, you, you know, you miss uh, another weapon there. Um, I don't know. They're a diff- difficult team to figure out, but now they're so far behind the Steelers. And, um, oh, I know. You know what I mean? I, I just don't think. In Cleveland even. In Cleveland, yeah. And get, they got a win over bitch. Houston yesterday. So, you know, you look at the Ravens, though, talented, but, man, injuries and, and you know, play at the wide receiver position has been suspect for me. A lot of drop balls. Defensively, I don't think they're as good as they have been in the past where they've been able to shut people down, create three and outs, get off the field, give Lamar Jackson and that offense many more opportunities. It just seems to me that that, that have not been the case uh, this year. So I think this is a team that's definitely taken a step back. And um, I just don't know where they could go. When you look at the AFC, you look at the Steelers, uh, you know, you look at the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, Josh Allen playing phenomenal football. So I don't know. And, of course, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, right now, Baltimore to me, it's just, man, they've fallen off the slide. Well, and what's crazy is they're still 6-3, and three, yeah. but they're 3-2 and two in their last five. And, again, they just haven't had the, the convincing, dominating type games that, that maybe we expected kind of the electric Lamar Jackson. He was the MVP last year. So yeah. we, we had high, high expectations for them. But when you think in the AFC, you've got the Colts at six and three, the Titans at six and three, Ravens, Browns, yeah. and the Vegas Raiders. And, and oh. they're, they're probably the most shocking team to me. They, they keep winning ugly. I don't even know how they're winning. I can't figure it out. Josh Jacobs is playing. He's been playing a little better. Uh, er, earlier in the season, he was struggling, but they're four and one in their last five. Mm-hmm. Uh, one three in a row, and and you know Derek Carr is doing just enough. Mm-hmm. I think that the defense is probably underrated and 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 really helping them win games. Um, you know they're far behind the, the Chiefs. Well, a couple games anyway. Chiefs are eight and one, but um, the the Raiders are. Uh, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're right there in the mix. And, and who, who would have thought when you just kind of look at their roster and some young wide receivers and um, not necessarily putting up the big numbers either. They're just squeaking out wins, but uh, get some credit for that. Yeah, they went in ugly. And, 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 but who cares? Winning is winning, right? Just get the get <laughs> W. Uh, that's all that matters. Uh, but this is a team, though. Uh, they can't, to me, won't make any noise in the playoffs. They, they're just not. No. You're not no, good no. enough. I mean, the, those three teams that I listed, they can't stay on the field, I don't think, with Kansas City, with Pittsburgh, uh, you know, with any of these teams like that. I mean, Buffalo looks far superior. And and, and really, New England now becomes that Jekyll and Hyde. And, and who knows what Miami with Tua, the way he's playing, uh, you know, 3-0, and uh, with a very opportunistic, stanchy defense down in Miami. So, you know, it, it's fun, though. It's, I'm glad to see teams like Las Vegas and, Buffalo or some of these other teams. It's not yeah. just New England and, you know, Kansas City and not Baltimore. You know, you got some other teams that's making some noise, so to speak, and, and that, that could get in the mix at least. So, for me, just from a lover of, of, of the game, 
I like to see these other teams get better. I like to see Cleveland play better. I mean, Nick Chubb, what about this guy, right? I mean, coming yeah. back from that knee and uh, what he's doing. I mean, you know, the Cleveland Browns, hey, they, they, they got some ability, even though they're missing O.J. Beckham with a knee injury, but they still got so many other weapons. Maybe this is a team that can make some noise in the AFC. So I like I like how things are shaping up as we get into the second half of the season. The, the Browns are another team winning ugly, but but that that's what it takes. And and even the Dolphins in some ways are, mm-hmm. are winning just you know tight ugly games. Yeah. Special teams, defense, making big plays as well. But yeah, the Dolphins six and three. They're five and zero oh in their last five, and and so since Tua took over, they're they're three and zero. Oh. So that's somewhat, you know, surprising, I think, at, at how well they're, they're, they're winning, maybe. I, I thought maybe closer to 8-8 eight and eight type of team, but at, they're on pace to, to exceed that, which is, uh, which is but, impressive. But, but, Bryce, what about the, the move by Flores at, at Miami? Oh. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing really good football. You know, veteran yeah, guy, been around for umpteen amount of years, playing some oh, yeah. football uh, for the Dolphins. And then out of the blue, hey, we're going to put the first round pick, the number five pick in the draft. Uh, we put him in the game uh, and, and we've named him the starter. And people are like, what in the world? I mean, when he came in and got a couple of plays and, you know, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick was telling the fans, hey, the few fans in, in attendance, you know, give it up for Tua Tagovailoa, you know, and then the next week he's out of a starting job. And, and people go, and the veterans like myself and the talking heads, you know, they go, what in the world? Are you yeah. thinking? If you're going to do that, why don't you just do it at the beginning of the year? And you know, Fitz Magic is playing some good football, and you know, what are you doing? And, and so, three and oh, is he throwing for three hundred and you know three touchdowns every week? No, but he's been very efficient uh, and and doing a, a really a lot of good things. So you know, knowing to a, the way I do, being in Alabama with my son Christian and the family, I'm just you know just elated. Uh, to see what he's doing and how he's playing, especially another brother that loves Jesus and a follower of Jesus Christ. So we always uh, want to stand up and say, man, job well done, uh, because he's doing a great job for the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. And he looks good and comfortable out there and, and you know, to continue to do it three weeks in a row. And, and I think going back, though, to that, that Fitzpatrick decision, because I remember, I think, a quote from Fitzpatrick before the, the season, he knew that Tua was drafted to take his place and there was yeah. no expectation for Fitzpatrick that he's, you know, some franchise quarterback. He's a veteran guy. He's been a backup. He gets it. So he understood his role. But then when he's playing well, he had won two games in a row and he ends up getting pulled. He was very open and honest that he wasn't, you know, thrilled about it. He was disappointed. He understood it. But, um, but I appreciated his candidness and, and honesty and, and I imagine the, the, the type of guy that he is and the veteran that he's been, he, he still supported Tua even in the midst of that, that frustration and disappointment for him personally. And then to now see the team doing what they're doing. And, and you've been in the NFL locker rooms. You know that that quarterback decision can, can tear a, a locker room apart. If you've got certain guys that, you know, oh, man, let's just keep rolling with the veteran. We don't want to deal with the rookie. Um, but, but it seems like they're responding to Tua and they and they trust coach Flores who, who made the choice and, and he's got, he seems to have a good grip on that locker room because the, I mean, the wins are, are demonstrating that. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when you, you bring in a guy like Tua who well-liked and going to say the right stuff, he's going to work hard. He's going to be a, a student, you know, you know, hanging around Fitzmagic magic and 
learning and growing. You know, he's not coming in with this pompous attitude. And, uh, you know, I'm a fifth round, I'm a fifth pick of the first round. And, you know, he's a humble guy. And it's easier for a veteran to say, okay, we really like this guy. And they see what he can do in the field. I mean, the guy's, he can spin that thing. I mean, he, he's very accurate and precise. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, guys want to win, especially in Miami, where that's been tough over the years. I mean, you know, uh, so to see a guy that comes in and you're wide receiver, you know, you got a guy in there lefty that can spin it and throw it, that makes wide receivers happy, you know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, I'm excited to see what, what they're doing. We'll see. I mean, that AFC East, right, is pretty tough. Buffalo, New England, where they're playing. You got Miami uh, doing a lot of good things. And, of course, the Jets, just the Jets, we won't talk about them. But uh, the AFC East, man, is, is uh, pretty tough right now. Yeah, but they're, uh, they're, they're putting themselves in a, in, a, in a good spot. We'll see some more uh, divisional matchups in the coming weeks as well, which will help uh, – figure out who's going to represent that, that, that AFC East for sure. Well, well, Corey, let, let's get to the game of the day, probably at least the play of the day, which could end up being the, the play of the year. And, and that, of course, the, the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. And, and before we talk about the, the, the final play, I, I continue to be blown away by Kyler Murray mm-hmm. and, I was wrong about him. I admit it. And, and when I watch him now, he has the incredible ability to find the holes and not get touched. Right. I mean, he just he sneaks into the end zone, uh, barely getting hit. I mean, I, I don't know how he does. I mean, he's so quick, so fast, so uh, mo- mobile and agile and w- whatever characteristic you want to <laughs> use to, to describe him. He, he's got it. Yeah. And, and now to – to have that that clutch play on your resume uh, goes a long way as well. You know, a Buffalo team that maybe even in some ways outplayed the Cardinals yesterday. Uh, you know, on the road for the Bills to uh, to put themselves, mm-hmm. they get the big play with Stephon Diggs. And I saw a stat: how well the Bills have been playing with Stephon Diggs, how well the Cardinals have been playing with DeAndre Hopkins compared to the Vikings without Diggs and the Texans mm-hmm. without Hopkins. Very interesting. What an impact both of those receivers have made. And I think over the years, we've some, in some ways, we've downplayed just how valuable a, a marquee receiver is because, you know, we see teams do well without one. Um, the 49ers were in the Super Bowl last year, didn't have a, a real marquee wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders was fine. But, um, but anyway, so I, that was just a quick, quick side note on that uh, that I found to be interesting. But um, just from, from Kyler's standpoint, we'll talk about the play in a moment. But, uh, but Kyler, what have you seen from him? Are you surprised at how good he is, or did you think this coming out that, that he'd be this tough? You know, he's a guy that watched a lot of uh, games uh, of Kyle Murray at Oklahoma, and uh, we knew how fast he was. I saw how uh, elusive he was, and he can make every throw. You know, the biggest question coming out for Kyle Murray was, I mean, he's 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, they t- said 5'9", but I still don't believe that. But yeah, he's small. He's so small, small, but the guy is a winner. He never lost in high school. Uh, you know, the guy did what he did at Oklahoma. He's special. He can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. So I knew coming into to, uh, the NFL when the Cardinals took him in the first, with the first pick and, and that what offense that he was going to be running, which is uh, air raid, spread you out. And listen, I don't care. 
if you spread people out as a former defensive player and, and, and you got to defend the entire football field and you still got Larry Fitzgerald and then you bring in a Nuke Hopkins and you got Kenyon Drake in the backfield, you got all of that stuff working for you. Listen, the system, along with his ability, makes him who he is today. A lot of people thought, you know, with that kind of uh, uh, supporting cast that he could be, you know, an MVP candidate. And he's been showing that. I mean, and he's a competitor. People see that. I mean, I, I watched a couple of weeks ago, man, and, and he was very so demonstrative on the sidelines. And, and that, you know, this guy is a competitor. He competes. And so am I shocked? Not at all. You know, if, if you take that guy and try to put him in a conventional NFL offense and, you know, under center and, you know, running the football, play action pass, you know, no, no, no. But, but what he's in right now and how he's playing in that system makes him special. And, and so, and when you got a guy who can run a 4-3, a quarterback, and you're talking about having to contain, he makes the defense sweat. And you got to put a spy on him. You got to you got to contain. I mean, you got to somewhat build a fence and try to keep him uh, within the walls of that of that pass rush. You know, get pressure up the middle, contain him because he is short. You know, those big defensive linemen getting those big paws up to try to take away that passing window. You know, so if you can do that, you can have success. But the problem is they have designed plays that moves the pocket, gets them on the outside, so you don't have the problem with all that that cloudiness up from the defensive line. So they move them around. They run a lot of uh, quick screens, hitches, and things like that. Well, the ball's out of his hands, and he's so good with that quick release. So I'm not shocked, man. Uh, he's fun to watch. And, and uh, now with Nuke Hopkins out there, which is Houston should be just ashamed of themselves. <laughs> I mean, when you got the Sean Watson, a quarterback that's similar but bigger than Callum Murray, and you say, okay, because you, your coach and him can't get along. I mean, you kidding me? You let that leave your your, your locker room? They, they need to, I tell you what, they've made some changes. And uh, But, boy, that was not the smartest thing. Yeah, no, you're exactly right, because think about the trajectory of Kyler Murray's career and now Deshaun Watson's career mm -hmm. because of where DeAndre Hopkins is. Yeah. Right? It makes all the difference in the world. Poor yeah. Watson, he's got nothing. I mean, that offense has nothing. I mean, they lost to the Browns. That was an ugly game. Part of it was the weather, but man, I mean, this, it's just been, it's been hard. He's had a couple decent games Watson has, but, but man, the, the consistency isn't there because he doesn't have a weapon like Hopkins. So, so let, let, let's talk about the final play. Cause I, I ended up writing the, the devotional uh, about that play today. Yeah. So each day I, I, I do unpack this, which is a, a thought about sports, faith and life, taking a, a sports story, relating it to the Bible. And, and, and if you listen to this show, you can subscribe to the, the devotional uh, on unpackingit.com and, you know, greatly appreciate you reading them and responding. And so uh, if you're not a subscriber yet, check that out, unpackingit.com. So on this play, you know, Kyler Murray gets past one defender and ends up, you know, throwing it 48 plus yards down the field. Hopkins jumps up. He's got three guys around him yet, yet he gets higher than, than the other three guys to, to snag it and then to hang on to it fall to the ground and still still get it and and as impressive as his hands were as impressive as the throw was the key to all of that the, the key to that play was the timing when murray throw it through it and then when hopkins decided to jump into the air to go up for it 
Because how many times have we seen a, a, a fail Mary because the guy jumped too late or jumped too early and the ball, you know, didn't, didn't arrive on time. But in this play, boom, it was right there. And, and Hopkins was, was in the right place at the right time. And so, you know, it really was the, the perfect timing. And so as I think about that play and I, and I think about this concept of, of timing, it's so crucial in our own lives as well. And, and as we follow Jesus and, and as we, we truly trust in God's timing, we, we can see it play out and, and circumstances play out in such amazing ways when we remain patient and, and trust God to tell us when to jump, so to speak. And so Hopkins knew when to jump. And, and so for us, you know, the key to, to knowing this is, First, we have to have a willingness to be patient and, and to actually wait for the Lord's guidance and, and go ahead and um, to, to know when to jump. And, and then we have to understand his voice and, 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 and really surrender and submit to relying on him to when, when he does say jump, that we actually jump. Because what happens? Oftentimes, we either get so impatient that, that we kind of we rush things or we get ahead of of God's best plan. Or sometimes we let fear take over that, that we wait, we wait, we wait, and then we don't jump or we jump too late and an opportunity slips through our fingers. And, and so again, Hopkins knew the right time to jump. He did it and was able to receive the ball. And for us, if we wait and we jump at the right time, we'll receive the blessing that God has for us. And we'll be at the, the proper position. We'll be prepared to receive it um, because God's, God's timing and his plan is perfect. And he, he knows all the factors that, that go into it. And so instead of trying to do it in our own limited knowledge, our own understanding, we trust in, in his, uh, his power and his sovereignty uh, to know when to jump. And so, uh, uh, you know, kind of a leap of faith, so to speak. Um, let, me, let me read a couple, a couple verses and, and Corey, you can jump in as well. And so uh, Psalm 32, eight says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And then uh, the other verse in uh, Lamentations in the Amplified Version, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait confidently for him, to those who seek him on the authority of God's word. And then another Psalm in uh, Psalm eighteen thirty says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And so today, let, let's trust that God's timing is best as we wait patiently for him to move. And when we seek and follow him, we'll know exactly when it's time to jump and we'll receive his blessings that lead to victories. And so uh, hopefully you're willing to unpack that today. And, and, and Corey, as you, uh, you listen to that and, and think about God's timing, what, what are some things that, that come to mind for you? Such a powerful devotion on, and, and, and to how we unpacked uh, that play because you know a hail mary is one of those things to where you know if you put a percentage on it being successful it's probably very very low but the one yeah. thing that in new hopkins situation you look at it was three guys around him defending him knowing that he was going to be the target to try to make that play and still they could not get it done but what i see from that one play as we unpack that you know that reminds me of rebounding the basketball and I played basketball for a lot of years and I understood rebounding and rebounding catch this Bryce catch this folks that are listening rebound is about positioning 
You've got mm. to be in the right position in order to rebound the basketball. A lot of times they even tell you that you got to catch that rebound at the highest point, right? You got to box out. You got to shield and get yourself in position in order to get the rebound. But as we put it in the spiritual terms, in order to get the blessing, in order to get the, the, the blessing, you got to position yourself and understanding, as you mentioned, when to jump, when to go catch the, the ball at the highest point. And that's what Luke Hopkins did, and that's what you got to do in life. You know, when you when you know you got to understand in God's time. God says, "Wait, be patient." Those that wait upon the Lord, with one you renew your strength, you'll mount up as wings as eagles. You know, as you wait, as you position yourself, and when God says, "Now is the time to move," we have to move in faith. We have to go up and catch what God is giving to us. So, if you're waiting, if you're wanting that hail Mary blessing, so to speak, if you're expecting God to to do something big in your life, timing is everything. And you can't jump too early because as Newt Hopkins jumped too early, he'd have never got, got that pass, right? You can't get anxious. Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication. The timing was perfect. And when you wait on God's timing, you're going to make that Hail Mary catch. You're going to receive the blessing from the Lord. You know, you're going to get and do and be where he wants you to be. Timing is everything. As we started the show, you know, I'm here on and now a official, a member of the Unpacking Ministry. Had I tried to do something else in doing COVID while ministry was dead and pretty much slow and, and you know, want to do my own thing and get anxious. And believe me, I had those moments. But as I sit back and as I look at where I'm at today, it was all about God's timing. It was a time that he was pushing Bryce and his ministry, to, that they was ready to move forward and do something different and add to. It was a timing that God had me be still and wait and, and, and bring about these opportunities and not just going out and trying to do things on my own, that it all clicked. It all clicked for the board, for the, everybody's heart to be right in order that we can high point the football or the basketball as, as it pertains to rebounding. And therefore we sit in this position today. So I don't know where you are, uh, but don't, don't try not to be frustrated. Try not to get anxious. Understand God is a God of timing and his timing is perfect. And then when you operate in that, you're going to always catch the hell Mary. That's right. Absolutely. We'll catch the, the answered prayer, the opportunity, the blessing, uh, man, no, that's awesome. And I love, yeah, I love the, the similarity to a, to a rebound as well. Uh, cause it, it's about timing with yeah. a rebound. Yeah. You jump too early, you, you, miss, <laughs> yeah. you miss it, you miss it as well. Absolutely. Um, so, so great, great word for Corey and, uh, we'll end it on, on that note, uh, for, for Corey Miller, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join us as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Corey will be here each Monday, and uh, we'll continue to, to grow and expand the, the show. Of course, during the holidays, we'll, we'll be off a little bit, but, uh, but, but excited about what's to come, and would love to know your feedback as a listener. Uh, you know, Give us some time as we, we work out the the, the rhythm and, and chemistry and all that sort of thing. But, uh, but we know that God's hand is on this 
And, and so yes. I'd love to, to have feedback though, from you as a listener. So you can send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Corey, have a great one, man. You great too, to be bro. with you. God bless you, man. All right. There's Corey. I'm Bryce. This is unpacking it.